Hello, and welcome to Mark Experience, an actual play podcast focused on embracing failure and having fun when things go wrong. I'm Arthur, your host and GM. And before we get into the action, I want to welcome you to the show. This is an actual play podcast, which means we'll be playing a tabletop role-playing game and using it to tell a story together. Specifically, we'll be playing Blades in the Dark by John Harper, a game that has scoundrels committing daring crimes in an oppressive fantasy city. Now, our story is set in what we are calling The Enclave, a colloquial name for Old Crescent, which is a borough of the fictional Crescent City. To learn a little bit more about Crescent City and the Enclave within, you can listen to our world-building episode, which is linked in the show notes, but if you want to skip that for now and come back to it later, we'd like to share a couple of details with you to set up what we're doing. On the surface, Old Crescent appears to be a normal place, albeit run down and unrenovated compared to its surroundings. However, Beneath a magical spell called the Glamour, Old Crescent is actually home to a magical community composed of creatures from folklore and fantasy. Creatures like centaurs, mermaids, witches, devils, and more. This magical community has carved out a home in Crescent City because their concentrated presence causes a phenomenon called electroplasm. Electroplasm is a distilled form of magic which emanates naturally out of Old Crescent. This magic permeates the entirety of Crescent City, leading to success after success in business, culture, social programs, infrastructure, effectively everything that makes a city great. And as a result, Crescent City depends on its secret enclave of magical citizens, citizens who must never leave Old Crescent. And as this magical population has outgrown its home, the Enclave has changed from a haven to a corral. Welcome to Mark Experience, an actual play podcast focused on embracing failure and having fun when things go wrong. I'm Arthur, your host and GM, and joining me today around the table, we have AJ. Hello. Scott. Hello, everybody. Kara. Hi. And Thomas. Hey. And today we're going to be playing Blades in the Dark in our custom setting, The Enclave, where magical creatures of folklore and fiction live a secret life within a modern metropolis. So it's been a couple of real-world weeks since the last time we played, and um, I think it might be a really good idea for us to start with just some going through our characters and re- and reintroducing them to one another and uh, to you, our listeners. So why don't we start with AJ? Why don't you tell us a little bit about Matthias? Okay, I'm playing Matthias Mornan. Uh, they go by the alias Shake. Uh, they're a gender-fluid devil. <laughs> Any pronouns are okay. Um, yeah, they're like full on, like red skin, horns, tail. Like yeah, av- av- average, av- average, average Joe for a devil. Um, 
they sometimes use a walking stick because they're disabled. Um, they used to be on the city council, um, <laughs> but 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 now they're a criminal. So things change there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what exactly happened that caused Matthias to leave the city council? Um, well, I think for a while they were like. Mm-hmm. I think they were leaking information about like I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of a way to say it. like I've got it in my head I'm just trying to think of how to externalize this. Um, so while while they, while they were on the council, they they were definitely what like someone who was like trying to change things from inside the system. Like that was definitely them. Um, so when there was something that like the council was trying to push through or like some shady dealings going on that like they couldn't change legitimately they start they like at a certain point they realized they realized that they could like leak information to like to the newspaper uh to sort of rile the public up about it and try and try and change things that way and like yeah so they so they were like they were a a local government leak for a while Mm -hmm. and then i don't know if they got and I think at a certain point, like, because they were, like, dealing with, like, these corrupt politicians for so long, they were, like, also became a bit more corrupt in, like, the way that they were trying to counter things. And they ended up just, like, they were leaking stuff that, like, wasn't true anymore. <laughs> like, just to sabotage people. Um, like, like, they wouldn't wait for something to be... Um, for like something to be happening for them to spill on, they would just make something up if it were, or if it was mm-hmm. if they needed to. Um, and I think they eventually got like uh, I don't know if they got named as the leak or if they just like left because they were so disillusioned. With I think they maybe they left because like they saw what they were doing and they were like, well, I'm. They were they were like, okay, I joined this because I wanted to change things, yeah. but like. But look at me! Like this is this has changed me more. I'm than definitely the system. definitely imagining that there are a bunch of different factors that all came to a head pretty much simultaneously that forced Matthias out, <laughs> and we will probably yeah, see some of those factors later on in play. Um, so why don't we jump next to uh, to Kara? Why don't you introduce us to Jay Lily or Celia? Uh, Celia or Jay Lily? Yeah. So yeah. her name is Celia of the Marsh Lake Pond, uh, but she goes by Jay Lily. She is a hybrid between a merfolk and a uh, creature called a uh, chiguapa. Um, She has brown skin that is iridescently blue. Um, She's very thin. uh, And she used to work in labor or kelpie management. Mm -hmm. Um, Harvesting kelp from the harbor to to feed the enclave. Uh, yes, because she can't really communicate very well with mermaids because they sing to communicate and she's mm-hmm. mute. Right. So let's actually talk a little bit about that. So I did a little bit of research on the Chihuahua. Uh, Chihuahua? How, did, how do I pronounce that? Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Um, and learned a little bit about their sort of place in folklore. Highly recommend checking out the Wikipedia page if you're not mm-hmm. sure. But uh, one of the cool things about them is that they can't speak. They can kind of chirp or you know make a, a high-pitched almost shriek, I think. Mm-hmm. Is what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, so since you're part merfolk, part uh, Chiquapa, 
you you won't be you'll be playing a character who can't speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked a little bit about how communicating through sign language is going to be expressed in the podcast, and I think we'll we'll be a okay with that. Okay. Um, yeah, enclave sign language, American sign language, some sign language. It'll make sense. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, and then you are playing the hound playbook, right? Yes. So that means you have a pet. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your pet? So my pet is a Shunka Warkin, and mm-hmm. that's essentially a cryptid that's like a dire wolf mixed with a hyena or something. Sweet. Um, and mine's name is Anais, which means void because mm-hmm. it's black with uh, white and gray spots on it. Um, and they are loyal independent, and independent, but they're also very savage and wild. Nice. Um, I think that's going to be real fun in this very urban setting to have a very, very <laughs> not urban uh, animal companion. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, great. Anything else you'd like to share? Um, mm, not really. Great. Then let's jump now to uh, Scott, and we'll hear a little bit about Second Sakar. So I'm Scott. I'm playing Second Sakar, uh, alias Talon. Second is an avian person, uh, modeled very much after a secretary bird, so mostly white with some gray and black feathers, and some feathers on his head that kind of stand out a little bit, uh, depending on his mood. Uh, second is a slide, and he has spent most of his life as a spy, uh, just gathering information on the comings and goings of the city, and uh, using that to his advantage, whichever way he can. Cool. Um, so, as a uh, as a spy bird person, um, you know, one might ordinarily think this character would be capable of flight. Uh, in, oh. in sort of the traditional bird person vein, but I understand that's not the case with Second. Would you like to tell us a little bit about why? Oh, yes, um, indeed. Well, Second is able to fly, but uh, because of the disguises he uses and the way uh, the glamour works in the city, um, he can't really fly without giving away his cover. Like, it would be very obvious that bird just landed, and now he's snooping around. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he chooses not to, so that way he can uh, maintain his work. Uh, but when he's had a rough day and he really needs to unwind, he does have a drug dealer friend somewhere here in the Enclave that uh, gives him some uh, some drugs that help him feel as if he were flying. Yeah, so he's he actually indulge... Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So he's actually able to kind of get the sensation of flight without breaking his cover. Because he misses the wind. Um, (laughs) That's so sad. It's so sad. Great. And uh, finally, let's jump to Tom. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your character? Yeah, so I'm playing Brendel Gates, uh, codenamed Da Vinci. Um, And basically, Grendel is like the largest lizard person you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Just uh, crazy muscles, um, very intimidating. um, And he never really flashes a smile. He's got just 
a brutal death stare and coal black eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to roll with a gang. Uh, it's sort of infamous in the uh, in the underbelly of the city called um, the East Street Dragons, uh, which is sort of where he gained his um, skirmishing chops and his his fighting chops. So he's sort of he's the muscle of the crew, uh, but he also likes to keep a really low profile and um, use intimidation whenever he can uh, to resolve conflicts. Uh, he has one vice which sort of breaks his um his character of of being the silent type which is he really enjoys spog's dice game at the cauldron Mm. cool so he's a gambler he's a he's a gambler and he uh it i think at times maybe risks blowing his um his sort of uh undercover personality a little sure. bit or he likes to keep things on the down low but mm-hmm. but when he's of, when he's playing he isn't necessarily he, he to, lets his guard like. down for sure yeah sounds good cool and so grendel is the only member of the crew that i think has been a criminal for basically their whole life right i mean it sounds like yeah. second sakar kind of fell into it as a result of the talents that he was developing uh and then matthias and uh celio were both you know involved in legitimate business um mm-hmm. So Grendel came up in the East Street Dragons. Uh, why don't you tell us a little, just a fun or interesting element of that that you'd like to make sure we bring up or see or keep it in mind at least? Yeah, sure. So I think like a lot of lizard people in this city, um, uh, Grendel never really had a family or a home. And, uh, you know, the East Street Dragons like took him in and, and welcomed him and sort of, um, you know, was a uh, and not not entirely, but predominantly uh, reptile um, gang, and he just you know he flourished there, and he he did really well for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what happened was the the city's law enforcement actually was able to uh, crack down and disband the gang, so that's why he's where he is today. Okay, cool, and we'll definitely see you know the 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 echoes of that uh even though we probably won't see the gang proper since they've been disbanded cool um and then finally let's talk a little bit about the crew and just introduce that to everybody so the crew is called the renaissance um they are shadows these four individuals plus dog represent uh sort of the force of theft and burglary and espionage and sabotage and uh, in particular, sabotage, it sounds like, is definitely a, a major element of what you all do. You know, going in and flipping the right switch to stop the drawbridge from lifting in, in order to, you know, let the, you know, let someone mm. escape or whatever it happens to be. Um, and you are a fledgling crew. It's a small group, tier one, and like we sort of established uh, another tier one crew called Oracle, uh, who are a group of tech smugglers who bring human technology into the enclave uh, to sell at a premium sort of outside of the official trade system. Uh, yeah, so Oracle has brought you on, has brought you in on an operation that they're trying to run against the Sharps, who are sort of a big protection racket throughout, especially the upper, the northern part of the enclave. Um the Sharps are bringing in a huge shipment of some kind of human technology, um, and they're doing it 
Uh, because it's such a big shipment, they really only have one way to do it. And that's to smuggle it in during parade day on a float. Um, now, you've acquired a dossier that describes their plans in more detail than what uh, Oracle had already gleaned. I think where we're going to start today is with the group of you meeting up with Oracle just before the parade day um, to join Oracle um, uh, to join Oracle in the sort of last stages of planning for your heist. Um, so we'll start there in the coffee shop that they run their operation out of. Muse. I think it's the four of you sitting in the coffee shop. No one else is here except for Techno, the troll who runs with the tech smugglers. Uh, Techno, of course, is very handy, but he also pulls most of the shifts behind the counter. And I think he's, uh, he's taking orders. What does everyone want to, want to drink? Mm. Uh... Ooh, I know. Um, Jay's gonna sign for a, um, a Kelpie smoothie. Mm hmm. Yeah, he signs back uh, an affirmative and gives you a big old thumbs up and a grin and gets to work on that while he waits to hear orders from the rest of you. Coffee black. Uh, <laughs> you got it, chief. Whatever, whatever you, whatever you want. Um, give me the dark roast. Dark roast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, got it. And uh, what, what'll it be for you, uh, Talon? Uh, green tea, if you have it. Oh, we got it. Um, and right, he pulls out a, a pitcher of green tea from beneath the counter. It clearly is something that they don't really, that they don't make properly. They just have, you know, a pitcher of it that's pre-processed, <laughs> ready to go. Is it, like, uh, actually green? <laughs> yes. Oh, definitely. It's, like, deep green. It, in fact, I'll, I bet he pours that into one cup and then takes the same pitcher, pours it into another cup, and gives that one to Talon and the other to Jay. Um mm. It's like green food coloring. It's, it's just, it's kelp, basically. Mm. <laughs> Generic kelp drink. Um, and uh, shake. Anything for you? Uh, chamomile and peppermint, please. Chamomile and peppermint. Uh, hmm. Is is it all right if we leave off the peppermint? We, we're we still waiting on a shipment. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll do. That'll do. All right. Chamomile coming right up. Um, uh, hmm. And he kind of awkwardly turns his back and starts to starts to prepare the rest of the drinks and kind of peeks back over his shoulder and says, Janie should be here by now. Um, uh, I, I'm sure she'll she'll be around shortly. But uh, in the meantime, I guess make yourself comfortable. We've got our part of the information. You've got yours. Let's, uh, you know, spread it out on that big table over there and I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be right over. That sounds fine. Yeah. All right. Um. And I think uh, around this time, you get a glimpse out the window um, and you see Janie, who you remember from the last time you were around when she introduced the whole operation to you in the first place. Um, she's having an animated conversation with a fairy who's, I think, probably about two or three feet shorter than she is um, there. She's like very animatedly trying to like convince the, the fairy that she needs to go in, that she has to stop the conversation. She has to step away. They'll see each other later. Um, and the fairy uh, eventually kind of flutters up, gives her a kiss on the tip of a very long pointy elf ear and flutters, flitters away. Um, and Janie uh, walks into the, through the front door with a little hint of a blush and sits down at the table where the planning and information has started to spread. 
And Janie, uh, good to see you. Shake. Glad you Do could you make me? it. Would you like a drink? Techno is just making those drinks. Uh, I'll be okay. I wouldn't recommend it. This coffee tastes like water. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we sell things other than coffee here, says Techno as he comes around the, the counter and flips the deadlock, uh, the deadbolt lock in the front door. Um, let's, uh, let's get down to business. Um, and with that, he finishes kind of closing all the shades so that the, the whole place is now concealed from outside eyes. And he sits down at the table and starts rifling through the folder. And he kind of spells out what's going on on parade day. Um, and he, he brings up first a map and he, he kind of takes a big old red marker and runs it down the, from the, uh, from the southernmost tip of the map, uh, in the southeast corner, all the way up through the north, uh, the, the north exit, all the way through the enclave. And he says, Shake, this is, uh, this is the route you gave us, right? That looks right, yeah. Yep, fantastic. At one point, I'm going to have to ask how you got this, but for now... Uh, oh, you don't but, need to hear that. Yeah, I figured as much. So, the, uh, the parade route starts, as far as we're concerned, within the Enclave, right in the southeasternmost entrance into the space, uh, along the main road run, running north-south. Um, and uh, we suspect, based on the intel that you've gathered, that the drop is going to be made right in the Plaza Square, um, right at the High Watermark Hotel. Um, now, what we need to figure out, and what you need to figure out, really, is where along the that path you're going to make the you're you're, you're going to make your move. What's the plan, guys? Um, and Janie kind of looks over her shoulder and then looks back at you and says, um, yeah, we, uh, we really need to make sure that, that this goes smoothly. So whatever you got for us, just make it work. Is there any way we could cause this, this float to break down in route? You know, a moving target is always harder to capture. Uh, Jay knocks on the table, and she's like, we could, and she signs, we could try disrupting it at the drawbridge. Either way, it hits, it has to cross there. I was just thinking that. That might be a bit too, that might mm. be a bit too close to the hotel. Maybe we should try and divert the route. Get it somewhere a bit more out the way. Mm. So, now is the time when I, as the GM, will say, it sounds like we're trying to come up with a plan. So, <laughs> remember that our plan should fit into the following six categories. Assault, deception, stealth, occult, social, or transport. Um, and each of those has a detail of so associated with it. Um, mm. And once you've provided me with the detail, we'll be able to jump into our heist. So, let's start... By framing our conversation in terms of those, one of those six plans. Uh, oh, they're on the character sheets. Oh, they're on the character sheets. Yes, I can. I can oh, have you they? all look at the character sheet and. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, so if we're going for, like... It's all about how, it's all about like how, we're not really meant to actually plan any details. It's more about like how we're starting it, off. The exactly, heist. we need so, one detail. So, so if we're trying to like basically like the, I think we're we're either going for either a diversion or a breakdown is what it sounded like. So, if it's a breakdown, would that be is that just an assault? Are we just attacking it, or is it about mm-hmm. like deception? Like, I, like I would think it would in. be like um, sabotaging like the machinery of the float. Yeah, so that, that would so probably yeah, be yeah, but, that, but that's the actual like mission. It's this is about like how we start off. Mm-hmm. So it's like would would we be like talking our way into the parade, like sort of thing, like onto the float or something like that, or? Because that, because that, that would be deception if you were, if you were trying, to, if you were like, either disguised or la- or trying to talk your way through. Um, but if we're just gonna like straight up like attack it, then obviously that's assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So causing I, a breakdown by doing violence to it would be an assault. So sabotage, I think, counts under there. But if the real plan is you're sneaking on board and causing a small breakdown and then claiming to be in charge and going someplace, that would be a deception. Um, I think a deception would be slightly more fun because we're shadows. So, like, it's in our wheelhouse. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, like, I, I feel like almost like slightly modifying like the machinery of the flow. I'm assuming this float runs on. Does it run on magic or, or it's gas? This parade runs gas. the entirety of the entirety of Crescent City and just kind of comes through Old Crescent as part of its route, which is why it's right. such an ideal opportunity for them to transport these goods in because there's just no, a bunch it, of heavy equipment coming through and it's impossible to keep an eye on everything. Right. So I think it would mm. be fun to like actually sabotage the machinery of the float so that it breaks down en mm-hmm. route and looks like an accident, and then we can sabotage it after that. No, yeah. See, that's the thing with it. The thing of it, it looking like an accident. That's that's deception right there, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like that's yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. so it sounds like deception so, is the plan, which means that we need one detail in order to get into it, which is the method of deception. What's the method going to be? What's the theme of the parade? Ah, excellent question. Let me tell you a little bit about Parade Day. So Parade Day is one of the biggest holidays in Crescent City because it is a huge celebration of the sheer amount of wealth and prosperity that all of the big businesses and corporations that are headquartered here all share. So it's really a big like opportunity for every major company to try to outdo every other major company. Um, Okay, so this is just the capitalist circle jerk. So it is is a capitalist circle jerk writ large with these massive over-the-top uh, parade floats running the entire length of the city. Here's part of the reason why it's a huge... There are two reasons why it's a big deal in Crescent City. Um, reason one... Or not reason, in Crescent City, in Old Crescent specifically. Reason one is that part of the tradition of Parade Day is the fact that every float is giving away free stuff based on the company that it is there to represent. And I'm not talking about, like, candy. Um, I'm talking about stuff like gift cards for, you know, $10 off of a meal at X, Y, and Z. You know, is this um, like a mobile job fair? A little bit. <laughs> it's like what, what if a mobile job fair, but also it was just an opportunity to spend a bunch of money lavishly. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a huge thing. Um, and I so, of course, Old Crescent, being a comparatively depressed area of the city, 
a lot of the people who live here don't have an opportunity to leave the city and get at this stuff. So this is a chance for them to, you know, accumulate some actual wealth from the city, from the sort of outside businesses in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's reason number one why it's a big deal. Reason number two is that there is no time of year when there are more humans in the enclave. Um, there's a huge human presence because, of course, the river runs right through the city and it's one of the most beautiful places to see everything. And also part of the parade tradition is that, uh, once you reach Plaza Square, which is the square right, uh, right after the drawbridge, uh, right here. Where the hotel is. is where the hotel is, incidentally. Um, there's a tradition of some of the larger company floats stopping and doing an elaborate choreographed routine. Uh, which they're judged in the big contest for. And so, of course, that's where most of the humans end up accumulating is around the, you know, around the plaza. And what this means is that the glamour is being stretched to its limits during parade day. More humans than ever and more people in general all clustered in one place means that the magic that keeps magical creatures concealed and in almost invisible to humans, uh, gets more and more fraught as parade day goes on. Um, so it is simultaneously a really scary event from the perspective of keeping the secret and a really like exciting event from the perspective of getting some money or some stuff. Okay, so, so I think our method of deception is probably just gonna be where par- where where parade goers where like mm-hmm. people in either involved with the parade or like celebrating. Sounds like, good. Does that, does that make sense to everyone? Uh, I've got one more detail to mention as well, which is that during parade day, it is tradition for Enclave residents, and really just about everybody, but especially Enclave residents, to wear costumes on top of what they ordinarily wear, whether it's masks <laughs> or just a zipper running down their belly, so that if the glamour should fail, there's a certain amount of plausible deniability within the city. Um, kudos to our executive producer, Lonnie Godenzi, for, the, for contributing the idea that, for instance, a swamp thing might just wear a big zipper as a tie, and then that way, if the glamour fails, they look like they're wearing a big swamp thing costume with an obvious Gosh. zipper. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, uh, I like thank it. you, Lonnie. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so it sounds like that's a method of deception: being just ordinary parade goers who suddenly uh, intervene in the proper operation of the float. Um. Well, how would if we were just parade goers? How do we gain access? Don't to worry about that. That's stuff we find out in play. All we need is the method of deception right now. AJ, <laughs> your detail of just posing as general parade goers is a, was a good one oh. because it could it covers the whole range of, you know, that yeah. like that doesn't mean you can't pose as like someone working the parade mm-hmm. either. Like that's that's yeah. a thing you can do. Uh, I think. So right. I I like the sound of deception and parade goers. Now we each choose our item loadout, which is just a load number. So everyone pick your load and make sure you've cleared out all of your existing load. Okay. Um, okay. Now, uh, one other little bit of GM detail I'm going to give you here is that a lot of people in Crescent City are wearing big bulky backpacks and carrying lots of bags and stuff today because they're about to accumulate a bunch of free stuff and they need a way to transport it back home. Um, I might go normal for this. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to go normal. 
think heavy would look a little too armed, but mm-hmm. normal sounds fine. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's sort of against the spirit of heavy to go heavy and not be instantly recognizable yes. as like somewhat yeah, antagonistic. But gonna like, I, I'm gonna sh- give, I'm gonna be a little bit lax about normal today. Is I guess the the little GM signal that I'm giving you right now. No, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, are we? Should we roll engagement? I think we should roll engagement. Um, so let's let's figure out what our dice are going to look like for this engagement roll. Um, <clears throat> so, is this operation particularly bold or daring? Yes. 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 Yeah. Take yeah. plus one die. Um, oh, who's who's doing this? Oh, who's rolling? I, uh, I I I can do it. I, I might as well. I don't get to roll ever in this game, so that sounds fun. Um, <laughs> all right. Cool. So. All right, so we're up to two. Um, is the operation overly complex or contingent on many factors? I don't uh, think so, really. I would say yes, because contingent on many factors. Fair. There are a lot a of parade. factors today. There are yeah, so many true. clocks that I'm going to be able to tick during this mission. Oh, Lord. oh shit. Yeah. I forgot I about know. clocks. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I forgot about clocks in a Blades game, God. but I always do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Does the plan's detail expose a vulnerability of the target or hit them where they're weakest? Probably. Yeah. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say yeah. The detail? Because well, well, yeah, because the, the detail is where parade goers. Oh, and, okay. and like, and and yeah, because like yeah. there are so many parade go- like the whole reason that they were this today mm. is because there's so much going on mm-hmm. that they can get away with it without being noticed, and like yeah. that's the exact same for us. <laughs> Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, the glamour's being stretched, so that's another thing. Okay. Um, great. So it sounds like you don't feel the target is strongest against this approach. Um, sounds good. So here's the thing I really want to make sure we get right. Can and will any of your contacts provide aid or insight for this information? So look at your contact list as stands right now. And see if anyone on that list would be someone you'd be looking to for help during this operation. Huh. I know somebody named any of the people who we have good relationships with. Right? Oh, yeah, or- yeah. Um, you'll lose a die if any of your enemies or rivals might interfere in the operation. Hmm. Do we look at ours personally, or do we also look at our uh, one mm-hmm. contact for uh- for the crew as well? Yeah, because definitely, yeah, we've got LaRose, the blue coat, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think maybe it is, he can. It is absolutely believable that LaRose will help you well, with this. Is, yeah, I think th- this is isn't it, this is to help us with the engagement. So that's with going in as parade goers, isn't it? Yeah, is that right. Okay, I think I think let's come up with a specific thing for LaRose to do in order to get this a die. I have a pitch for you if you'd like it. Um, uh, which is that one of you is probably going to be disguised as some kind of official. I'll bet LaRose is the guy that gets you through the velvet rope. Um, mm-hmm. I know exactly who I'm go- who I'm going to be disguised as. Super. All right, cool. So we've got a, we've got a roll for LaRose. I'm going to add a third die for that. Um, and finally, do do any of you feel your enemies or rivals might be inter- might be inclined to interfere in this operation? Uh, if they know about it, yeah. <laughs> All right, who's your rival again? Um, the Sharps, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, so the be? Sharps are your target, which is different from your enemies slash rivals. I feel like, but we've oh. also got a bad. Re- okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, like, so a third party, yeah, a third party who's kind of 
So I have a I have a dangerous friend who might uh dangerous friends with the black down arrow means that they would interfere, yes. right? But yeah, it seems to me like enemies or rivals interfering directly in the operation doesn't seem like there's a strong case for that. So um yeah. Okay, so I'm going to take one more die away because these are a higher tier faction than you are. Um okay. So we're going to we're going to roll two dice and that's going to determine our engagement. All right. All right. Hey, everybody ready? Uh-huh. I'm going to be Hey! Yeah! Oh my god! That's a crit. That is fucking bad. <laughs> Heck oh. yes. So, critical. It's an exceptional result. You've already overcome the first obstacle. And you're in a controlled position for what's next. And let's find out what happens after we take a quick break uh, and get some water, get ready, get our heads together, and figure out what, where, where this is going to go. Alright. Alright, nice. How much- Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Wh- wh- when are we breaking so? Oh, sorry. He's gone. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Arthur again. I just wanted to take a step away from the action during our break and talk to you a little bit about Blades in the Dark, which is the system that we're playing our game in. Now, you've just heard the first roll of our campaign an engagement role. And that engagement role went really well for them. Honestly, it went too well. But why did it go too well? Well, here's an opportunity for me to explain a little bit about how Blades in the Dark works. So, if you already know how Blades works, or you don't particularly care to hear an explanation right now, feel free to skip ahead. There should be a timestamp in the show notes for you to uh, move the scroll to. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Blades in the Dark, Stick around. So, Blades in the Dark is a game about scoundrels committing crimes. Typically large-scale crimes, heists, big acts of sabotage or destruction. And this game will not be an exception. We have our crew, the Renaissance, and they're about to pull a pretty elaborate heist from a pretty well-equipped criminal target. Now, just because they are attacking a criminal target does not mean they are not criminals themselves. We're working in the underworld here. We are not going to be working within the system. That's sort of one of the core ideas in Blades in the Dark, is that these are scrappy people. And what makes them special, what makes them able to pull off audacious heists and daring crimes, is that they can take the stress of it. In this game, you're going to hear me refer to stress a lot, and I think one of the key things about Blades in the Dark is the idea that stress is a resource that you can trade for success. The more stress that you take on over the course of the game, the more likely you are to succeed, but at a cost. So I'll be treating stress as just another resource, just like I would treat health in in a Dungeons & Dragons style game. And you're going to hear a lot of opportunities where players can expend stress, can take on more stress in order to accomplish something. Whether that's adding an additional die to their dice pool, or increasing the effect that they'll have when they roll. So every time there's a roll in this game, we're going to have a conversation about that roll. That conversation starts with the player telling me which of their stats they're going to use. Each of their stats corresponds with a different kind of fictional approach. So for instance, Prowl corresponds with avoiding an obstacle by hiding from it, or 
using some sort of athletic prowess in order to bypass it. Whereas, for instance, skirmish represents using violence to accomplish something. Once they've told me what kind of stat they're going to be using and what the fictional effect of that looks like, I'll respond by telling them how it could go. And I'll do that with two pieces of information. The position that they're going to be acting from and the effect that they could achieve when they do it. For example, in a role with controlled position but limited effect, they're not going to be at a huge risk if they try to do something, but they also probably won't achieve much by doing it. On the other side of the coin, a desperate role with great effect will put them at a severe loss or consequence if they fail the role, but if they succeed, it will have a huge impact going forward, a very positive impact for them. Now, this conversation is not a declaration, it's a, it's a negotiation in which I will say what I think the position and effect are, and then the player has an opportunity to adjust the effect or to adjust how many dice they get to roll in order to achieve their goal um, by, for instance, expending stress or getting help. Now, there is something special about being in a desperate position. If your position is desperate, you also get an opportunity to mark experience, to indicate that your character has learned something from the desperate position that they're in, and eventually will be able to improve so that that position doesn't harm them as much in the future. There's a lot more to the system than what we've had time to discuss here. So if you're curious to know more, visit www.bladesinthedark.com and check out the system reference description that they have there. But that's enough from me for now. Let's get back into the show. So you rolled a critical on your engagement roll. Nice job. I am honestly a little disappointed um, because it <laughs> just means that now I have to be nice to you for once. <laughs> All right. Aww. So let's let's talk a little bit about what the first obstacle that you've already tackled is. What what have you already gotten right in this process? Um, I think we've already found the right float mm -hmm. and we're and we're on it <laughs> like as many of us that want to be on oh, it are on yeah it. okay that works so let me tell you a little bit about the float um so the float is a representative of a major uh a major crescent city conglomerate i don't have a good name for it if anyone has a good shitty business name go for it um but their float is just this spectacular display utterly flamboyant it is a traditional steamship riverboat, um, big paddle wheels that are driven by a steam engine, or at least they would be if it were a real boat, but it's not because it is in fact just on a flat flatbed trailer and uh, it is made entirely out of painted roses. Um, the whole thing is just a massive sculpture made of roses and then painted over to look like it's uh, a real steamboat. Um, on the top deck of this steamboat, there is a choir singing uh, very loudly amplified uh, spirituals. And the mid-deck, there is a dance troupe dancing along with the spirituals. And then walking on the street in front of and behind the float, is, and to the sides as well, um, is a, a second dance troupe that is taking on the role of the water and the fish leaping alongside this steamboat as it, as it trundles along down the road. Um, 
So those are kind of the different roles that one might be in were they on this steamboat right now. Um, and AJ has suggested in the chat Waxwane Enterprises, which is great because it totally ties into our whole moon aesthetic. Um, <laughs> nailed it. Wayne Enterprises. Nice. Um, <laughs> cool. So, so who is, who is in what position? Everyone is in position at this point. I think that's the, the obstacle that you overcame. So what are your positions? Uh, <laughs> well, for, for something I'm planning on doing, I think it makes sense if I'm, like, I'm dressed as, like, the, I, I think, or I, I'm positioned as, like, the captain <laughs> of this ship. Oh, wow. Yes, there you yeah, are. That's amazing. On board as the captain. <laughs> that's sure. some crit roll shit yeah. right there. <laughs> I've, I've got, I've got, I've got reason. All right. We can, we can we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Want. And yeah, everyone, tell me where you are relative to the float, not, uh, like, in the city, because I think it'll be more interesting if we just assume I that. thought we were on the float. Well, you're not, you're on or around the float, but you're in position to pull off your plan, whatever your plan ends up okay. being. Okay. Um, um, I think I'm actually posed as security. Okay, cool. So are you like walking in front of the, in front of the whole float display, sort of looking big? Um, yeah, I think, well, I think there's, there's, um, a, a row of security around, uh, in and around all the floats. And I've sort of disguised myself as the security for this particular float. And I don't think anyone has trouble believing that. Mm, okay, um, so just because I look like a security type. So my one think? thing about that is that you are a gigantic, almost killer croc esque lizard man, and this is a yeah, human but, world float. Right. So what I'm thinking is like in keeping with tradition, and because of this thing we talked about of like just in case, right? Um, things go awry. I think actually security are, you know, in, in the festivities ah, wearing costume as well. Now so we're got, talking. Yes. I've got a, a nice, like a uh, sexy looking Godzilla mask on. Um, <laughs> sexy. <laughs> sexy Godzilla yeah. is good, but it's a river boat. Could you just be an alligator? Like, <laughs> uh, like, um, Sexy alligator. Yeah, you're oh, okay. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. To hear the phrase "sexy Godzilla" is good today. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're making that the, the artwork for this uh, this episode. Oh my oh, god! No. Stop it, guys! Stop. Sorry, I haven't I, seen. Oh my god! Okay, oh, well, who's, yeah. who's sending? Oh, who's, that, who's sending? That's so unfortunate. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, uh, for those listening at home, uh, Scott just posted a picture of, of Godzilla with a, a phallic-looking radio tower between his legs. It's really unfortunate. Oh, it's so bad. Um, yeah, so maybe it's like dancers disguised as security, like security disguised as part of the Exactly. Yeah, so you're, you have, well, you you have managed to get in with the security alligator dancers. Uh, right, and for some definitely- reason, for some reason, which we'll reveal later in this <laughs> For some reason, unbeknownst uh, to everyone else in the crew, um, Grendel's a surprisingly adept dancer, so hey, he's blending right Grendel's in. Grendel's whole thing is being physical, right? Yeah. Then there you go. <laughs> Great. Okay, so that's two of four. Um, okay. Let's let's find out what Talon is up to. Uh, I'm that's the most sure. unfortunate picture. It's so bad. It's cursed. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, so I think Talon is dressed up very uh, flamboyantly and is kind of moving along the backside of the <clears throat> sorry, moving along the backside of the float, uh, kind of like a dancer. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so you've also joined the the street level dance crew. Oh yeah, cool. Oh god, this is gonna be funny. Um, I'm also in the um. Oh god, how do I put this? I'm also in front with the rest of the dancers, and I have Inaiyush dressed up as like a big lobster. Yes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so okay, so so it sounds like that's that's where we've landed here, and. W- I, I'm imagining that the scene that sets this up is like the four of you all um, like at the entry point to the whole parade, like deep in the southern tip of actual Crescent City, knocking out four mm-hmm. dancers simultaneously, pulling them behind a changing screen and then emerging in their costumes. I think that's where this has to start. Uh, nice. Oh, uh, can I retcon something real oh, quick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What are you retconning? Um, I want her to actually be like... You know how sometimes at concerts you have people uh, interpreting uh, the music in sign language? Yes. I want her to be doing that. Interesting. So oh. do we do we think but, that Wax Wayne Enterprises is a is an organization that would care enough to have a, a sign language interpreter as part of their display? Well, we we don't necessarily, that, like, but she can be pretending. Well, AJ, I, I, what do you what do you want to say about this? I was just going to say, in, like, our world building, we did sort of say that, like, Crescent City at large is something that, like, on a surface level has utopian bends. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, even though it's, like, might be a shitty capitalist company, like, they might have, like, that more socially minded yeah, side I think that's them, absolutely at least on right. a surface level. I think that Waxwain Enterprises absolutely has not only an American Sign Language interpreter, but also sign language interpreters that are... You know, specialized for other dialects of sign language, just to make sure everyone is included. There, there, are, there are other sign language interpreters up there as well. So cool. Excuse me. Um, so you're all very visible, very, very bulkily dressed. Lots of stuff, and you're up there as part of this display. Cool. And then the last detail that I'm curious about is where is the float along this route? How close are we to the to the plaza center drop off? We've still got to be, like, relatively early, okay. haven't we? So you're on the first drag right, right about there, yeah. yeah. So okay. for those of you listening along at home, uh, especially if you're following along on a on a map of the city, um, we're about halfway between the southeast entrance to Crescent City and the drawbridge running up that road, um, sort of right, right before the first fork. And we're in it. What are you doing? All right. Okay, so, so like I said, I'm I'm at the uh, at the at the helm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, is I I imagine there's like a for show helm, mm-hmm. and then like a place where like where it's actually driven from. Absolutely. Like, how do Which one are you work? in? Like, mm-hmm. was, uh, I'm on, I'm on the boat, aren't I? I'm. Uh, so the show oh, do you helm. Mean which one mean and which of those two? Yeah, but between the show helm and mm. the the actual like driver's seat. Well, I was on the I was at the show helm because I'm dressed as the captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm but I'm gonna go to the the actual driver's seat. Okay. Um, and what are you trying to? What are you gonna do when you get there? Uh, is someone in it? Yeah. Already? Oh yeah, someone's it, driving so- this for sure. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm imagining it's kind of an older, very surly looking guy. Um, you know, definitely drives for Waxwind Enterprises, like for his profession and drew the short straw on driving in the parade today. 
as opposed to his usual he, route, which would get him home, you know, at a reasonable hour. He's stuck here driving the length of the city in the worst traffic he can imagine. So he's not happy about is it. Is he also in costume? Yes. Um, he is wearing a... He's wearing a... Mm. So I think he misunderstood the memo, and he's wearing a full uh, Elvis costume. <laughs> the, big, what? the big wig hair and the like, the white suit and the very deep V. Because he thought it was just like musical <sighs> performance. Like old school musical performance. Oh. It didn't quite get the riverboat part of it. Uh, this is beautiful. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, hey, El- Elvis? Hey. Sorry. Uh, uh, Shouldn't you be up there? Do you know what? I was, I, was, I was thinking about that. You know, like, I'm not usually used to being in a limelight like this. Like, they sort of shoved me out here because, like, you know, they needed, like, company face, but, like... <laughs> You're telling me. But we're in costume anyway, so I don't know. I'm honestly... I get, I get a little bit anxious, if I'm being honest with you. I'm, uh, this is not the best... This isn't the best day for me. I was wondering if you could... I was wondering if you could do me a favor. He looks at you, interested in hearing what the favor is. Well, I really don't like being up there with everyone looking at me. And even, you know, with the costume. And I was wondering... Do you want to... Do you want to switch? Do you want to trade? Hmm. So this sounds like it, cause it should be a roll. Uh, what are you trying to roll? Um, let me see. I'm trying to think if this is... Okay, yeah, that's that's sway, isn't it? Because I'm just lying to him. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a sway. And I would say it is a controlled sway because by virtue of your crit start, you get a controlled situation to begin from, to begin with. Um, I'm going to say standard effect. Okay. I think I'm going to push myself just because I really want this to work. Uh, okay, cool. Are <laughs> so you getting I'm... an additional die, or are you going to get an, uh, an improved effect? Ooh, I'll take another die. I'll take another die. All right, die. cool. So, controlled, standard, plus one. Five. All right, five ain't bad. So, what happens on a five? Well... <clears throat> it's a mixed success. Mixed successes are fun, uh, but it was a controlled situation to start with. So you hesitate. Withdraw and try a different approach or else do it with a minor consequence or a minor complication occurs. You have reduced effect, so on and so forth. Um, so would you like to do it or would you like to withdraw? Oh, no, I'm doubling down on this. All right. <laughs> I'd like to do All it. right, you do it. Um, okay, so we said this was standard effect. Um, and I think he's going to, and I think let's, let's reduce this down to limited effect. And he just looks at you and says, look, I'm not, I'm not getting up there and, and standing here in this V-neck with this crazy wig. But if you want to drive, I'm not going to stop you from driving. No, no. I can just get out here. Oh no, sorry. You've, you've, you've missed, you've misunderstood me. I was going to say like, um, I was going to, I was going to give you this costume. No. I'm not changing in the. I'm not changing in the middle of the parade. There's a there's a privacy booth in the in the in the float. There. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I don't mean to cause you any more stress. I'm sorry. This is just to try and save my anxiety. But if you wouldn't mind. So 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 what he's saying is, if you want to, if you want to take over for him, he'll he'll get out of the way, and you can still have a job. Um, but he's not gonna he's not gonna pick up the he's not gonna uh, go up. the costume and go up there and take the role. 
Okay, yeah, that'll have to do. All right. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, he yeah, he, he slows the float to a stop, um, and he uh, he opens the door and steps out into like the undercarriage area of the whole construction, um, and says, "All yours, chief." Oh, thank, thank you, thank you so kindly. Yeah, you you got it. <laughs> and he does like an Elvis pose, kind of sarcastically, and and sits down uh, in like the underbelly Woo. of the float. Yeah, uh, I like giving a little bit of fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. So I'm now yeah, in the now, now you're driving we... the now you're driving the float. <laughs> um and also I think you probably noticed that there are like a bunch of boxes down here. Um down in the underbelly. Um you know, just okay. just a thing to note. <laughs> Not ominous. Yeah, nothing, nothing to worry about in those boxes. Um Okay. Um, so did you, did you say he'd stopped the float? Yeah, he stopped the float. So now you'll probably need to get it back in uh, back in gear. Okay. Shit. Have I got to like? Have I got to roll to drive this? Uh, float I'm not gonna make you roll. Time? You're you're a spider. You can you can do it just fine. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna try and kick it into mm-hmm. gear, and I'm gonna go along with the parade like yeah. if, as normal for now and but, but like when we get to that first big turn i'm gonna take that turn <laughs> oh okay so you're actually um let me sorry i'm just generating some clocks over here um <laughs> not for any real reason um <clears throat> so where where exactly are you turning off um you're, you're turning off a uh, big one yeah. oh okay so you're gonna go totally off the off the parade route um, yep. All right. So I think that is going to have to be a roll as well, because this is, you're yeah. basically turning down into an area where pedestrians are are flooding. Right. Because everyone's trying to get up to the, see the parade. Um, and I'll bet okay. that there are like a bunch of vendors and street carts and, you know, tented uh, little artisan markets and whatnot running the whole width of this street as well or whole length of the street. So very populated area. You're going to have to do something in order to get through that. Um, could we have a, like, a flashback? Yes. Um, to, say, earlier on, like, j- like before the parade had started, like, we just sort of, like, they were, you know, blocking off the roads and everything mm-hmm. to, um, to clear it for the parade. And there's probably, like, markers which are like, okay, like, this is to stop cars coming through yeah. here. And the, but there's also probably markers that's like, and this is to stop pedestrians. Like, this is a VIP sure. area. Could, could, I, could I have, like, stolen some of those and, like, tried to block off this part gotcha. of the road? So you've actually blocked off this whole part. That is going to be, I think, a two-stress flashback in order to, like, successfully get that through to this point. Because this is a big stretch of road. Um yeah. Well, just for the top, just for the top of the the road, though, like I probably wouldn't have bothered for like the other. Right. End of so the, you're going to try to take road, this first right yeah. into the alley. It sounds like. But the float would be big enough to go in an alley. That, that to is be absolutely true. Uh, it's too big to get into that alley, but I was willing to willing to hear an argument. Um, okay. Well, uh, take two stress, and you you have a place in which to, the float can go, uh, but it's not going to be able to make it far. Um, does that seem fair? Okay. Yep, seems great. So. so let's jump over to our security forces, especially those in, marching in front with uh, with Da Vinci disguised as an alligator dancer. Yeah. 
Um, so your dance routine is thrown off immensely the moment that the float starts to take this veer off course because you're in this big group of dancers that are way in front of the float. Uh, and now the float is actually moving away from you. And anybody else who is in front of the float as part of this dance, which I think is just you for now. Uh, but yeah, you and all these other security slash dancers are like left behind as the float turns away. What do you do? I, I turn to, I, I'm like, oh, listen, guys, uh, from, from the big boss, from, from the officer, he said, we need to, we need to turn off the parade route. Uh, there's been, there's been a breakdown in the main engine room. Uh, we'll be back on course shortly. Just stick with the float and make sure Uh it gets to where it's going. All right. Uh, this is definitely a roll. What are you rolling? Um, I think I'm rolling command. Oh, so you're you're trying to use your authority as a member of the security force to get the dancers and whatnot on your team. Yeah, I think I I, I mean I don't have any real authority on this security mm-hmm. force, of course, but I'm just like, you know, using my um my yeah. imposing posture to pretend like I do. Mm-hmm. Alright, this is risky for sure. Um, because there are a lot of other security people here who have not heard this in their earpiece. Sure, and I think that um <laughs> Matthias kind of did an unexpected thing to me, like maybe not according to plan when he turned it. So I'm, I'm sort of improvising to as well. Um, okay. but I would like to push myself, uh, and sure. for an extra die or for extra effect. Extra, I haven't told you what the effect is yet. Extra die. Okay, cool. And then the effect is, um, uh, what am I giving you? Uh, I'm going to give you probably it's going to be standard effect because these dancers are going to follow a, an order that seems to be coming from someone who knows what they're talking about, especially considering this is totally off, uh, off schedule. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of like Jedi mind tricking them or whatever. Um, nah, you're not, <laughs> you're just, you're just looking like an authority and, and, and yeah, so, getting them to do stuff. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so you get an extra die for pushing yourself. So take two stress and, uh, um, and yeah, so it's going to be a risky standard. So if I click command, it will um, roll, right? Yeah, command, and then you'll select risky standard and an additional die. Okay. Yeah. Woo! <sighs> crit. Yeah, so that's a crit. Hell yeah. What are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just can't say Great. no to a lizard with abs. That's the thing. I can't say no to a lizard with abs. All right. So yeah, it, that means you a get increased alligator effect. lizard with abs. So you you have oh, just God. gone from standard effect to great effect. Um, and I think here's what happens. Now the entire security troop is marching behind you. All the dance troop is dancing along behind you as you lead them wherever it is you want to lead them. Where are you going to take them? Um, so I'm taking them along with the float, and I think I'm sort mm-hmm. of um, having them clear out any crowds <laughs> that may be around the float so that it oh, can be discreet. So are- are you going to like go in front of the float now and like clear a path so that the float can continue down the wrong way? Uh, yeah, I think I think the security forces. I, I have them like motioning for people to to get out of the way. Okay, of the cool, great. So that that gives Matthias the ability to keep driving down this stretch as far as you want. Cool. Uh, Talon, would mm-hmm. you remind me what your position is relative to the rest of this? Oh, I was uh, behind the float with the dancers. Other cool. dancers. So you see, you see Grendel leading the whole troop way in front of the float. Um, what do you do? Oh, um, <clears> hmm. <throat> I mean, I, I'm going to follow, uh, but hmm, <clears> hmm. <throat> I know I'm gonna, 
uh, grab hands with a few of the other dancers and do like kind of a roundy round and just like try to lead everybody behind the float. Uh, so it all looks like this is part of the parade. Okay, cool. So you're like trying to engage everybody, make sure everyone is, you know, make sure that this seems relatively normal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there, is there a role there or is there, I feel like there's probably a role there. What are you trying to roll? I'm, I'm thinking sway. Sway would make sense. Just because I'm breaking um, what the... Exactly you're, who, so, you're, so sway would make sense, but I almost wonder if there's a better stat for this one. More sway than anything else. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, it, this is sway. This is sway. Uh, because you're trying to change attitudes or behavior with manipulation or seduction. Mm-hmm. Let's see a sway. Um, okay. I'm going to say it's probably going to be... Uh, it's probably going to be risky uh, and limited effect because, you know, this is, I think, very clearly this part of the of the parade is clearly like a place where floats can go. But it's going to get dramatically more and more weird for a float to be on this road as you go here. And I want to treat this role as being like the whole stretch. OK, um, so you're not going to be like you can make this seem normal now, but I'm not sure how normal it will still be, you know, in a block or so. Okay, um, and can I push myself for greater effect? You can absolutely push yourself for greater effect. Let's see some, uh, let's see some stress. Okay, that's, uh, two stress, right? Uh, yes. Uh, um. Okay, so that's... Sway, so risky. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, yeah, risky, risky, uh, standards. Standards, since I'm pushing myself, um... Mm-hmm can get any more bonus dice that is unless someone wants to assist slash can assist is positioned to assist um yeah i'm not sure who else is back there with me right now uh i think i was on the float actually yeah you're you're up on the float probably with the choir since you're signing what they're singing okay so then it's just it's just second and his uh means of sway let's see Ah, that's a five ah. five isn't bad it's a risky five what are you doing exactly you're kind of like dancing around with other dancers in the crew and then Mm. maybe you're engaging with people out to the sidelines make it feel like a normal thing uh yeah and just kind of guiding the flow of the people so that way nothing Uh looks out of the ordinary gotcha so i'm imagining you're kind of working your way up to the front of the flow so you have a little bit more control as you go and you're kind of dosy doing and and engaging with the crowd as you pass along by mm-hmm. um and you lock arms with someone and you twist them around and you lock eyes with them and who is it well it's tanzo bizarre a gang leader and your rival uh. um what is tanzo <laughs> like what's his whole deal or her whole deal or their whole deal and uh tanzo he is does he have to be from a different faction, or can it just be like a minor gang? You you can yeah. I think a, if he's a gang leader, the gang is probably gonna be a faction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't have to be a faction we already have. We can you know we're this is our custom setting. We right. can add factions as we as we wish here. Okay. Oh, gang leader, he is. Uh, he acts as um, enforcers uh, for other probably more reputable groups. Over mm-hmm. in the gardens, and uh, I've certainly uh, like, c- 
crossed him or made him look a fool in front of his friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is like this is definitely a small gang, like a, like probably a tier one, um, roughly like roughly this guy and maybe two or three bruisers uh, that run with him. What about right? Yeah. All right. So yeah, Tanzo Bazaar locks eyes with you, and there's like a flash of recognition as he sees the bird person that last made a fool of him in front of not only his gang but also a lady he was trying to woo. Oh, poor Tenzo. Um, and you see the rage flash in his eyes as he headbutts you. Uh, he drives his forehead straight into <laughs> oh, your beak. Oh! Um, like, the top of your beak. Um, where it's softer and mm-hmm. a little bit less... Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you should take uh, you should take the level one harm uh, headbutted, I guess. Um and also, uh, he's going to maintain his grapple on you uh, and pull you away from the float and into the crowd. Son of a... And we'll come okay. back to that in just a second. Uh, unless you want to resist one of one or two, one or both of those uh, harms. Remember, the more you resist, the more stress you take. Oh, well, that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, if I can resist the being head-butted, that would be great. Okay. Cool. Uh, but you you will still be grappled away from the float and in the and into the crowd. Yeah, I'm just trying um, not to get hurt here. All right, so I'm gonna say maybe you catch the head. You, you're able to like dodge out of the way of the headbutt, and it becomes more of a glancing blow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're momentarily dazed, but apart from that, you're fine. Um, so why yeah. don't you roll? Uh, whatever you think is the right. Uh, I, I think that would be probably a prowess. Um, right? Because oh, no, I think you said you said yeah, okay. So I say prowess. Rolls. Great. Um, yeah, roll. So roll. Give me a prowess resist. Okay. Uh, gosh, was that just roll prowess then? Yeah. So you just click the prowess button on your sheet. Okay. <coughs> um, no bonus dice, right? Uh, I presume no. Okay. It's a, hey, that's a six. Hey, you take no stress. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. All right. Okay. What? Mm. Thank you. Roll 20. <laughs> it wants <laughs> us to win today. Yeah. All right. Cool. So you're pulled away from the float and into the crowd. And I think the as I think that if we were to pretend the camera is mounted on the float as this all happens, we see the camera kind of scrolling away with the float as Mm -hmm. the two as the two of Tanzo's enforcers uh, grab you by the arms and pull you down an alley. So, um, Arthur, would you mind indicating on the map where we are? Yeah, for sure. At home, the float is now coming around towards the university. Um, which is sort of the, the centerpiece of the district that we, that we are now kind of driving through. Um, and I think we're now definitely at the point where the float is going to have to stop or at least slow to a crawl because the crowds here are too intense to push through without dealing a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, I think that the security forces on the float are starting to become more and more concerned about this change in route. Um, and I think, that's where we jump to Jay Lilly, um, because you see a group of, uh, I think probably it's a group of, it's a group of float security who are dressed in like old timey stage, uh, not stage coach, steamboat, uh, captain or officer uniforms. So they've got epaulets mm-hmm. and they've got a big fluffy hat. Um, okay. And they are, are, are now all marching downstairs to the control center to figure out what's going on. And that's where you come in. All right. Um, 
think what I'm going to do is I'm going to whistle twice mm-hmm. uh, to Anais, and that's his signal to just be just a complete a-hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe even just take off, and I'm going to furiously start signing that I need him back. I need him back. He's my support animal. Oh, yes. Like okay. So you are going to distract the security by using a very, very dangerous dog. Crypto dog. Love it. Um, Okay. Um, My instinct here is that there's a fortune roll to be made and also a sway roll. And the fortune roll just decides whether or not the guards that you get get the attention of can even understand what you're trying to get them to do. Because I will bet that not everyone speaks sign language. Um, or understand sign language. So I'm going to give you a fortune roll. I'm going to give you a two die fortune roll. Cause I think this is a, you know, th- there's a good, there's an okay chance here. Um, okay. all right. That's a five. Yeah. There's, a, there's at least, there's other interpreters yeah. about who might yeah. understand. And I think that's what happens. Maybe can see. Is another interpreter catches it and now is trying to get the attention of the guards as well. Um, and so now I think it's a sway. Um, okay. And you're you're basically going to be signing to this other interpreter who's calling out to the guards in you know in English out loud. Um, okay. And so. that is going to be well to me that's a sway, but you get to pick what you're what you're rolling here. Um, so it does sound like a sway because I'm trying to convince somebody of something. Cool, but it could also be a command um, if you're doing the same thing, or you could do something else and pick a different thing to roll. Let's see, force obedience of personality, intimidation or threat that will lead to an action. It doesn't seem like, well, personality, yeah, it would be personality. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd argue for command, yeah. Okay, let's go with command. Get my get my All dog right. back. Yeah. Uh, let's see, would that be risky? Uh, I'm going to go definitely with risky, and it's going to have, uh, it's going to have standard effect. Risky standard sounds reasonable here. Risky standard and no bonus dice. No. Okay. But I might be willing to give you a devil's bargain. Never mind. Too late. Uh, (laughs) Hey, there's a five. Um, Yeah, so risky five. Um, Okay, yeah. Um, One of the guards reaches down and gets a hand around uh, around Anais. And then another guard kind of gets in there and and helps get get the dog in a bear hug. And then they turn back towards you and they look at you very carefully and they say, what are you doing with an unhinged dog up here? What do you do? Uh, uh, I will sign to them. His harness would not go over the costume that they assigned. <laughs> I forgot him. he's dressed as a lobster. Um, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Okay. That's going to, that, I mean, it sounds like you're trying to sway. Are you trying to sway? Uh, yeah, that would be a All sway. All right, cool. So I'm going to need a sway from you. And I'm also okay. going to make that sway. That's a desperate sway with uh, standard effect. Okay, so desperate. Or mm, limited effect. Limited effect? Let's go with standard effect. Desperate I'm willing limited. to be nice about that. Desperate, okay, desperate It would be standard. Yeah, yeah so desperate right, standard is where we are. No bonus In fact, you, you, well, unless you want a devil's bargain, which I'm, I'm prepared to offer you a devil's bargain if you would like one. What's the devil's bargain? So the devil's bargain is that regardless of whether or not you succeed on this role, um, the increased scrutiny that you're receiving 
um, will mm-hmm. begin to, will begin to, or, and especially you and Anais are, are receiving, will begin to rip away at the edges of the glamour. And I'm going to tick a clock about the glamour. Mm. Do it. Do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll <laughs> do it. Yes. So now you're at one die right. as opposed to zero. <laughs> okay, here we go. Am I close enough to assist? Um, like, where is the... You're, you're where driving the thing. I think this is happening seat. about two stories above you. So you could have gone up the stairs, okay. oh, back up to the command right? okay. from the command center, but then no one would be driving. I didn't realize it was that kind of yeah. float where it's like three stories it's like, tall. No, it is like three stories tall, made entirely out of roses and built around a, a what I'm imagining is basically a pickup truck, like a double wide pickup oh, truck. No. Um, okay. So I'm going to roll this. Mm-hmm. One die. That's a two. Ah, uh, yeah. That's a desperate two. Um, oh, that's, no. that's bad. So I mark it. You certainly do mark yeah. experience for, for rolling yeah. desperate. For rolling desperate. Um, what they're going to do, uh, one of the, but from off to the side of you, outside of your like cone of vision, uh, another guard uh, tackles you to the ground and slams your head directly into the, uh, oh, and slams your head directly into the bulkhead. And I need you to take cerebral trauma as a level three harm. And I think we'll find out what happens next week. I'd like to thank Lonnie Godenzi, our intrepid producer, for all the work she's done on the show. And, of course, Jesse Spillane, who wrote this song and many other songs that you've heard today, including Super Bubbly, Cityscape Backdrop, and Strength of Knowing. You can find more by Jesse on their freemusicarchive.org page, linked in the show notes. I'd like to thank all of you out there listening. We can't wait to see you next week on Mark Experience. Thank you.